Welcome into the Michael Wall Show. Hey, we got a great show for you today. I got Michelle Howard that has joined us live in studio, and we're going to talk about something that has taken our culture by storm. You may not know this, but a lot of the information that's out there today for your children to read, even for you to read, is not in story form. It doesn't really help them grow in their gifts and abilities that has been planted in them from birth. And you know what? We're going to talk about why actually understanding and connecting with living books makes all the difference today on The Michael Wall Show. So, all right, here we are, Michelle. You are uh, excited, (laughs) passionate, speaking at 3,000 words a minute. (laughs) Whoops. And uh, it's all good because the energy's there, the passion's there. It's been a God-given idea, but you are the founder of the Living Learning Library and Mm -hmm. also the Mm -hmm. uh, livingbookslady.com. And I want to talk about this because, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, there's a lot of libraries out there. There's a lot of information out there. There's so much content out there. We have access to it through our phones. We Mm -hmm. can download it. I mean, we are so bombarded by information. Why do we need more information? Because it's not information. Yeah. Information is what the culture offers us right now because the culture, I think, wants to imagine that we're just cerebra. We're mm. a physical, biochemical, you know, data processing center. They don't want to touch that the, on the fact that we are a soul. Yeah. And so there's, there's emotions. Lot, yeah. And, and purpose. Yeah. And masculinity and mm-hmm. femininity mm-hmm. and longings and ambitions and dreams. And that is the immaterial world. And right now we're in a culture that's a little afraid of the immaterial world because then it hints at our immaterial king. Yeah. They would rather just have human-sized factoids that are, can be stored in a human-sized brain that you can look at in an MRI. But that's not enough. That's not who we really are. And when we only feed our cerebra and we don't feed our soul, that's when you start to see young people drifting and becoming listless. They Maybe they have good grades, but they're listless. They're dying a little bit more yeah. every day. They're restless. They're bored. They don't have a sense of purpose because all of that is in the immaterial part of us. And the great books that we used to have before the culture changed them fed the deepest part of young people and adults. So let's talk about this real quick. She's talking about books that have changed. You may Mm -hmm. not even know this. Listen, if you're a parent with children, you're, I mean, Michelle, listen, a lot of people are just trying to stay afloat. Yeah. They're trying to pay their bills. They're trying to just live life. They're trying to make sure their kids, you know, don't do all the wrong stuff, so to speak. There's all of these influences. And now it's like, you know, just do what we need to do to pass and get mm-hmm. through and whatever. They feel like they're in, in kind of a little bit of a bubble. So let's talk first about the change okay? And, and, and maybe where you became aware of the change of this. Let's go all the way back. You're from Michigan. Okay. You used to be a professional swimmer. You were a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No. She wasn't. That's not true. Let's talk about where the genesis of all of this, the Living Learning Library, where did this come from for you? Well, that's a good question because I didn't plan to do it at all. Mm-hmm. I had thought I was going to be a doctor, and yet life takes us on different turns, and that's exactly when we find our purpose. But I began noticing that my kids could get great grades, and then a day later they acted like they never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And so I could pat myself on the back, I thought, until nothing came out of them later. So like absorbing information, dumping it for the test, Mm -hmm. and then moving on, but not really understanding or learning anything. Not even caring. Not even wanting to learn more. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day when my son said, I can't wait till this is over with and I can do something that's, you know, part of my real life. And when Mm -hmm. I realized that everything he was experiencing in education, he didn't even consider as being part of his real life, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a billion miles away. Because I'm pretty sure that if I figure out what God says education is, what God says literature is, he's going to really feel like it's part of his real life. Mm -hmm. 
So I began looking around and I saw uh, people that were the kids were bubbling over with everything that they were reading and they were talking about it and they were playing it and it was inspiring them. And I noticed that what they were reading was completely different from what was in just the standard public library of the day. And that's when I began to awaken to the fact that, um, that that cultures have definitions on what it means to be human. They have definitions on what is worth learning. They have definitions of what education is, what literature is. Our culture has changed enough that those definitions have changed the very nature of youth literature very, very significantly. I can give you an example right here. Well, before okay. before we before we jump into that, I want to ask when did when did you really start to see the shift happen? Not just for you, but I mean as you started researching this industry. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I think what happens is it's like the frog in the pot. You know, you just turn the heat up just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. It's not going to yeah. jump out, right? Yeah. Where if it's scalding hot, it's going to jump right out. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happens a lot of times is as parents, we can look back and say, wow, school today is different than what it was years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, in our 2022 culture, we're starting to see they're starting to try and teach things like sexuality and all mm-hmm. of these things mm-hmm. at a young age. Mm-hmm. But as far as the books that the kids are reading, you know, it's been a slow drift. And so people don't really know. Talk to us about when did this big shift started to occur and what do you think kind of was the reasoning behind it? Well, the big shift started to occur really in the mid-1960s. And think about what was going on in the culture at that time. The way I look at it is that at that time there were a lot of young people that were protesting. They were standing outside of administrative buildings and they had their new agenda and their woodstock and these different things. I think eventually they realized, wait a minute, why don't we get inside those buildings? And then let somebody else stand outside and protest. And I think there's been a very dramatic change since that time period. And now um, they have assertively, you know, control. They are controlling a lot of media and you know, government, et cetera. But they're also controlling publishing. Mm -hmm. And so that worldview came with them. And so we know the worldview of a a, a more secular worldview that human beings kind of are large and in charge, and that they can come up with answers and solutions. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you have something that's human sized, it sounds like it's going to make humans larger but it actually makes them smaller yeah because it's when we're in relationship with the immaterial and immortal and divine king of kings who knows us intimately and has a purpose on our life that's actually when we're elevated but that went out the window and and absolute truth went out the window and beautiful ideas and courage and character went out the window and it became an emphasis just on looking at the human being again as like a cerebrum that could store facts mm. facts that were testable etc but something started to die down inside and I watched that even in my own sons because I have a big gap my oldest is 41 and I could just see that we could go through all the motions but that his longing to make a difference to be a knight in shining armor to go out and make things better to slay the dragons of our world so to speak you Mm -hmm. know that was not being fed in what he was doing every day until we started finding these older books that were created before that were courage and masculinity and femininity and purpose and and patriotism and nation building were a huge part of the of the book itself but they were different not only in their content and this is extremely significant they were different in their nature right now parents are alert to the fact that the overt content in books right now is very starting startlingly you know concerning mm-hmm. but that fruit was inevitable when the roots changed of the nature of youth literature 50 years ago and we're going to share a few examples she's brought to the show here and if you're listening to this via podcast I'll just kind of describe it as she's talking about it after but if you're watching this on video, uh, you'll be able to see this as well. But, you know, talk to us real quick before we share these books. Let's let's talk real quick, Michelle, about the idea of, of a living book. Okay. You know, somebody hears a concept of a living book. 
What does that mean? It means that it has content that is so powerful and impactful that it will actually be embedded in the deepest part of that human being, the part of them that's actually eternal. We know that our cerebrum is going to start failing even while we're still living, and it's the first organ that dies. The cerebrum has never been the target of education in God's mind at all. I mean, and he invented the brain, but he never even used the word brain one single time in the Bible. Right. He always talks about incline to me your heart that you may receive, you know, instruction and wisdom. So what we're after is a book that goes all the way down to the heart. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, with it, it's going to carry truth and it's going to carry character and it's going to carry purpose and it's going to carry beauty and that not just facts. So that difference is extremely striking. And actually young people want purpose. Mm-hmm. They want meaning. They want truth. That's why Jesus even said, even let the little children come to me because they already want purpose and meaning. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, Michelle, even those that are watching this show that don't have a religious bend or background mm-hmm. or leaning or anything like that, you know, that I, I think we all can agree that even kids today in a lot of ways, they're in a place where, um, you know, it's just like, okay, just get through this, mm-hmm. then get to that, then go to this, then go to this. And then, you know, we see kids by the millions now graduating college that they're now with a degree and they have no idea mm-hmm. what they want to do in life. Mm-hmm. So you look back and you say, okay, was this a successful process. <laughs> you know, was this a win? And the reality is, is they have not been engaged to understand really uniquely who they are and help them level. explore mm-hmm. the idea of what a story looks like. You know, Jesus did it uh, really well from a mm-hmm. parable perspective, storytelling. Mm-hmm. He was kind of the beginning yeah. storyteller, right? Yeah. And so yeah. let's talk and move into these books right okay. now. I want to share this because, you know, what you may not know, and I've come to understand this, and I'll just share this from my perspective. When I first uh, engaged with Michelle and my wife has been involved, our kids mm-hmm. have been involved, members of the library for a little while, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation. But one of the things that you'll know or notice when she's getting ready to share this with you is that a lot of the books that are out there today in the library in general or just available for sale um, in mass scale are more a, here's a bite-sized piece of information that you download, get it, and move on, uh, but it's not really an exploratory. Let me let me kind of go on this journey with the author mm-hmm. and think. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that we're seeing, Michelle, is a lot of the books today cause kids in general to not want to think and just absorb information. Mm -hmm. So I'm joined now with Nicole Moore. She's actually a member of the Living Learning Library, originally from the Philippines, now lives in the States, mother of three. And uh, you've had some wonderful experience. First off, Nicole, thanks for taking a minute to join us here and share your thoughts. So tell us a little bit about your Um, what you've seen, let me say it that way, from the Living Learning Library, how it's benefited your family. Well, I grew up not having living books and Mm. not knowing um, what they were. So when we started the Living Learning Library, my son was learning how to read Mm -hmm. and he was having trouble. But as soon as we started there, he opened up a book and he continued reading it without stopping. He Mm. just was getting fed the characters. He started to learn about um, history Mm -hmm. and what it meant to be a child and a child of God and how God Mm. worked through children Mm -hmm. in big ways and how those kids grew up to be people that did huge things. Mm -hmm. So um, Finding purpose. He found purpose. And then when he would watch movies or a show, he just wouldn't get fed that same Mm. content. So we continued reading and he just ate up all those books. And And your kids now are how old? Well, I have a five-year-old daughter, Mm -hmm. an eight-year-old son, and then my oldest is 10. Wow, and you're homeschooling, so you're getting a chance to watch this real time. Now, now they're coming alive. They're excited about reading. You've shared with me a little bit off air here, which is a, which is awesome. 
where were we a couple years ago before the Living Learning Library? So my son was about five mm-hmm. and then to seven years old. So from kindergarten to second grade, we I taught him how to read and he struggled. So he would see the letters and he wouldn't understand what they were and he would just get a headache mm-hmm. and they would be blurry and mm-hmm. I was worried about him. So I took mm-hmm. him to the doctor. He, his eyes were fine. And... um I started having him read 20 minutes a day and he would slowly pick up. Mm. And then he just, once we started at the living library, it was a few months and he was reading a chapter book a week. And then now it's two chapter books a week. So let me ask you this question. What, in your opinion, I mean, you obviously struggling reading, not really desiring to do that. uh, And then you dialed in with the living learning library and you saw a complete difference. In your opinion, if you had to boil it down to one thing it's probably hard to do (laughs) but if you had to kind of name one thing hey this is what really you know because there's libraries everywhere yeah why the living learning library because i think that they plant seeds with these books there's seeds that are planted in him that i can't see that fruit yet Mm. and i trust that they're there because of, um, you know, I just follow God's calling. And he called us to homeschool. Mm -hmm. He called us to the library Mm -hmm. through certain people. And his world has opened up. So I don't know quite yet what that fruit is going to bear, but I know um, he's planting all these seeds. And you've seen seen the joy of reading come out. Oh, completely. Last question is this. In your opinion, what do you think the difference of the books that are available at the Living Learning Library I mean, obviously, my family's utilized these as well, and they're books that were written years ago. What do you think is versus what's available today? What's the big difference that you see? Um, the biggest difference is the biographies. Um, who are the heroes? Who is your child's hero? Who are the heroes in the library? Mm-hmm. They're basketball stars, entertainment stars, people that— The general library. The general the library. The public library. It's right. more like it changes so often. Yeah. But when you go to a living library, those characters don't change. Those mm-hmm. characters are people who have changed the world, mm-hmm. not just make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So um, the biggest difference I see is just who our kids are learning about, who Max is learning about. Yeah. Chase your purpose, not money. The money will follow, right? I love it. If that's it's good. right. you know. Yep, Anyways, hey, really uh, thank you, Nicole, for taking a few minutes and sharing your story. Yes. And uh, best of luck to you and your family. Thank you so much. Awesome. So let's talk about some of the differences here in these two books. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because uh, our brain, again, is used to store data, but it's down in our heart, I think, that we really think because that's where our beliefs are held, our goals are held, our purpose is held. So yes, is the brain involved? Yes, but there's something much deeper than that, even Mm. when it comes to thinking. Mm -hmm. So this would be a very typical modern book today. And we see that the title is simply Forest. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not the world's most amazing forest. We're not invited into the forest. Everything about you could say about a forest has been distilled down into a single word. And we barely even see a whole forest. We barely even see a whole tree. We see a tree trunk that has been further subdivided. And this is what I call reductionism. Mm. This is mankind kind of imagining that he can be big if he makes everything else around him small. Mm. And so we just have some xylem and phloem and some cellulose here split into mm-hmm. layers. And we could memorize <laughs> the names of the layers. And supposedly, we would know about a forest. But no one's attracted to this forest. No one can visit this forest. It's not even rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. It was made in a lab. Or, 
you know, or a studio, you know, with clip art and, yeah. you know, it's not even a real toys. tree. Not even a real tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, go figure. Yeah. yeah. But that, con- and, and if we were to open this book, you'd see that the book has undergone the same exact process. It is not one whole flowing lyrical language. Right. It is a set of different, you know, two-page spreads, each with their own title. And even within that spread, there's been further division into factoids, but they try to make up for that lack of content interest with images so let's look at let's look at the difference here so she's got a book now that she's going to share with you so what she just showed you if you're listening to this via podcast is basically a book that says in big words forest on the top and it has uh essentially the inside trunk of a tree that's animated it's not even a real tree Mm -hmm. and on the page and now we got another one called the secret of redding glen yes and it's we got a we got a pond, we got a deer, we have trees in the background, birds. An actual flying. forest. Actual forest, yeah. <laughs> who, Surprise! Yes, who exactly. would have thought it's an yeah. actual forest? Yeah. Oh, we have to go to work to try to find a book that actually shows a whole forest. Yeah. And I could tell you it's a forest. I may not be able to pronounce the the author's name. Joe Palenzo. I might say that wrong. I don't know. But yeah. go ahead. And and but you notice the title? The first word you said was secrets. Yeah. Okay, this is very significant mm. because this is saying to the reader, you are on an active journey. You are someone. You were created high you are capable of going out and carrying on you know epic discoveries Mm -hmm. so get your piff helmet on Mm -hmm. get your canteen over your shoulder because you are about to uncover secrets that other book kind of puts you in a passive mode okay just sit here open up your cerebral database and get ready to download information young people don't want to be passive and they shouldn't be passive we can't raise them with decades of passivity and then all of a sudden graduate them and imagine that they're going to become active Mm -hmm. let's not train them to be passive and then as you follow up to the title Secrets of Redding Glen. Guess what? That author illustrator actually lived in Redding, Connecticut. Hmm. This was a real forest that he really visited. And were we to open this, you would see how different it is because it flows from the beginning all the way to the end. It is never interrupted with color bars or lines or blocks. It is actually a, a journey into a forest. And it starts out with the most beautiful language and it celebrates all the different parts of the forest. Put there, this up here so they can see the difference. There you go. So look at that. And if you're if you're not watching us on video, she's doing a comparison here. Yeah. I mean, it's you can put it back down. Okay. It, it really is important, and you know, it's interesting, Michelle. When I when I look at our kids, just as an example, I can only speak from my experience of our four. Right. Mm-hmm. When you give them the opportunity to uncover or to discover something, right? They get jazzed up. Mm-hmm. I remember when we went to uh, Great Wolf Lodge. I believe. Have you ever been to yeah, one of those? We have one the, at back in Michigan. Yeah, with the water slides inside mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Whatever. Well, they had this thing where you could get this wand or whatever it is. And you go and you have this these little clues, and everyone you go to, you get a check mark or whatever it is. In other words, they were on a kind of almost a treasure hunt, right? Yeah. And so what happens is, I think when when kids have the opportunity to unlock that and go on this treasure hunt mm-hmm. inside of a book, it yes. causes them to think differently. Oh, completely. The, the difference between activity and passivity again, discovery and just and just having sterile facts. We live in a techie society right now, so it seems like the emphasis is on techie factoids. Albert Einstein said, "Don't bother learning something you can look up." Wow. Learn what you can't look up. Mm. And that those are these deeper things. If we were to look at this current book, we would only ever see parts of a force. We'd have a whole two-page spread about just a bud or about a seed pod or about a single root. As if a forest, if you walk into a forest, you don't see one root. 
but in the in the older book from what's called the golden age of youth literature and that's what makes a living book you would see its narrative in it you're seeing the whole forest and all the ways that it interacts it's celebrating what I call the symphony of the forest oh my goodness there is waterfowl and there are amphibians and there are insects and there is fruit growing on vines it's, it's a cel- full, it's a full picture it's celebrating how all the parts become a greater whole yeah. in the current book you only ever see the parts they're always separated and you're supposed to memorize factoids about the parts but I'm sorry the sum of the parts is never equal to the whole. We got a testimonial from a gentleman that talked about his experience, and uh, I believe it was him, and, and he was talking about the idea of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. One of the things that his kids have learned from reading living books, mm-hmm. right, is the importance of cause and effect. And, and in our society today, we have little taught about the idea of cause and effect, even like, hey, you know what, you do something wrong, don't worry about it. You know, you just kind of discover life as it goes about. Instead of really understanding there is mm-hmm. cause and effect, there's, there's, there's consequences to the actions that we have. And when we read through a book that helps us to discover that, it's important. I but, want to take but this, may I just ahead. interject yeah, right there? All those things that you just described, though, are something that happens, again, at the deeper heart level of the mm-hmm. reader. When, if you're thinking about cause and effect, those are materials. You're not just memorizing right. the depth of root coatings. Right. You're, and, and, and that doesn't mean that we never do that. But when we get the deeper context yeah. and the deeper purpose, then those factoids later have meaning. But everything you just described is what happens at the deepest level. And so we want the literature that targets the deepest level. And that occurs only when there's gorgeous lyrical language and there is actual art. If, if, if For those that saw, all the art in the more recent book was done by a machine, either yeah. a computer or a camera. Mm-hmm. But in the older book, it was done by an actual artist. Mm-hmm. And once kids start to open that up and they are swept away by artistry. Yeah. Again, so it's the, the difference is so striking that that is why it's worth seeking them out because you will see results all of us have listless children at times that can't see a reason why they should go through the process of education or whatever that's because we have we are not always feeding their souls and it's hard to find these books and and get them to them but it's worth the journey so we're joined by francisco and you may know him by seco nobody calls you francisco anymore Uh, my mom does come on yeah (laughs) we we don't want to do that so mom Sorry about that. We're calling him Seco. Hey, listen, he is a member of the Living Learning Library as well. You have four kids. You have twins like me. I'm like, what? He's got twins too. (laughs) Twin boys that are six. You have an 11-year-old daughter and then a three-year-old. And you guys are in a place where you've had some great experiences from the Living Learning Library. Absolutely. You talked to me a little bit off air about the idea that um, what they're reading now, Seco, is at the Living Learning Library anyways, has helped them really ask questions and engage with not only what they're hearing, but what they're reading. Yeah. Talk about that a minute. Yeah, so our boys especially, they like to play, and mm-hmm. they struggled with keeping attention on information that was from the outside. You know, play play comes from the inside. Creativity, all those things come yeah. from the inside, so they're building things. But what they couldn't do is sit down and listen mm-hmm. uh, to, a, to a book, and the information was coming at them from the outside. But what the, the books in the library really started to do was help them build a relationship mm-hmm. with information stories and so they they actually put themselves in the in the in the stories of you know a boy and his horse and they would learn about how to um how to help people they would learn about how to care for people they would learn about science they would learn Mm -hmm. about math Mm -hmm. all through these books um and so instead of just being pieces of information that you would try to hang on to which they struggled with yeah it was more building a relationship with the ideas Mm -hmm. principles 
that would allow them to continue learning. And then they start to ask a lot of questions. Well, it's the parable, right? It's the old idea. Jesus did it years ago, teaching through storytelling. And a lot of times, you know, people might say, well, what's the difference between the Living Learning Library and the traditional libraries, public libraries that exist out there? A lot of the books have been written years ago, and they're written in story form with the intention to create interaction. Yes. Right? As opposed to just, here's information, absorb it, swallow it, move on. It's actually used to change your life in a lot of ways, which is cool. So what is one of, one of the, maybe another thing that you've seen like with your kids as you've engaged um, in some of the content that's available? Yeah, I, one, of the, one of the things that has really been a, a challenge is following a sequence of events. You know, as mm-hmm. you're teaching young kids, uh, you can usually give them one instruction at a time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, at the Living Learning Library, they actually help with young children to teach them how to follow a sequence of events, mm. which is really the, the idea of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And so just wow. like attention and relationship to information is helpful, also knowing that I take one action and it has a result, that's a very important uh, piece, of, piece of ongoing learning for, for young children. And so our boys have really uh, grown in that quite a bit, and, uh, and our girls too. Well, and it's a great life lesson, right? Because I think we live in a world today where there's a lack of cause and effect. Just yes. do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it, and it doesn't matter, and it does matter, and so those principles are huge. Last question that I have for you, what are you excited about in the future that, that you're expecting and hoping to see out of your kids from what they're learning and where they're growing now? Yeah, I mean, there's two futures, right? The, the next six months is really, you know, with young <laughs> kids is always like, all right, yeah. you know, what are we doing here? So in the next six months, what, what we're seeing uh, already now is part of the community of the, of, the, of the Living Learning Library has allowed us to do things like nature studies. And mm-hmm. so you'll, we'll go out into nature once mm-hmm. a week and just observe. And then the kids will spend time asking questions and engaging with with those those realities. But what I what I'm really excited about the the long term future is you know I have a daughter that's 11. She's a real entrepreneur, mm. um, passionate about creating things. So it's it's I think it's giving them the opportunity to to create instead of fit into some kind of box. Yeah. And um, and I think that that's uh, you know from, from a from a entrepreneurial mind myself. I like seeing that in my children so that whether they go to work in a in an office or, or, or some sort of profession or whether they start something on their own, it's going to give them the ability to be flexible um, and allow them to, to be successful in, in any of those environments. Yeah, and having the content that you have available for, from the Living Learning Life to kind of really help them bring that creativity out is huge. So, Absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for taking a few minutes and sharing your thoughts. This has been great. Thank you. Awesome. I want to talk about real quick the idea of some teenagers, you know, parents that might have teenagers. I think if everybody, if you're listening to this out there, you know, your desire probably is to be in a place where you want your kids to really find who they are, to find their purpose. Mm -hmm. I think every parent alive, hopefully, looking Mm -hmm. at their children and say, man, I want them to excel. I want them to find their purpose. I want them to find really what they're on this planet for, to find purpose, to find joy in life and all these things. And I think a little bit about um, some of the books that are available in the current public library space for teenagers and and the, and the positioning of <clears throat> what is success and what they see on the shelves. Can we talk about that just for a minute? I'm so glad you brought it up because 
I am very grieved. I, I as I have four of my own and they're all adults now. I really feel like the teen years are extremely significant because this is when you're in the infancy of adulthood, so to speak. You're just you've launched out of childhood and you're really beginning to discover discover your purpose and what your masculinity will mean, what your femininity will mean, what your what your career will be, how you'll raise a family, how you build to a community. These this is when you need the deepest and richest ideas. Absolutely. And so this is when um, the, the, the hunger for purpose and truth and virtue and character should be at its peak. Mm-hmm. And what the world offers mostly right now is a lot of entertainment. If you walk into, and I, I'm, I, I'm not here to criticize libraries today, I'm here to offer an alternative. But generally, the culture emphasizes in, for example, in the youth biography section, entertainers, whether they be sport, music, or movies. That's almost the entire makeup of youth biographies and that today. Is, and that is the emphasis of like what success is. Yes, is yes, yeah. And, and that, that's a very tacit message that you're giving to young people. The purpose of life is to be entertained. Right. We all already know every kid wants to look at their device all day. Right. And that the highest aspiration you could have would be, be to become an entertainer. But we know that there's a much greater purpose in life. And that entertainment is only meaningful if we don't have something better. And what we really all want is something better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, l- listen, entertainment is really nothing more than a railroad to mm. transfer information mm. to the to the end user, right? So when we look at it, there's nothing wrong with having entertainment that teaches and instills mm. and encourages and grows us. But, you know, that was so powerful for me. And we talked about that kind of off air a little bit, Michelle, is the idea of the books that are out there right now in the library for kids are emphasizing these people as this mm-hmm. is it, right? Mm-hmm. Versus saying, well, what if somebody wants to be a teacher? Mm-hmm. What if somebody wants to be a mom? What if somebody wants to do something that's not... Uh, shown in our world today as mm-hmm. spectacular mm-hmm. as wow they don't have all these followers on instagram or all this does that make sense and so it's oh, like yeah. now kids are saying okay well i don't want to do that even though i might feel called or you know a passion or a desire to go do these things i don't want to do that because then i won't be successful and i won't be viewed i won't be viewed from the <laughs> world as though i'm a success and that's a that's a detrimental thing, which mm-hmm. is why it's so important mm-hmm. to understand the journey. Let's mm-hmm. transition here. I want to okay. I want to leave this last thought with uh, I, I, you brought this other book, and I want I want you to bring that in. It's it's here ye of what here give me ye the of title. Boston here ye of Boston, ye of Boston. Yeah. and and so this is this is a book that you uh, brought out in the beginning, just talking about some of the initial story. Walk yeah. us through that. It, you know, I I have owned this book for a long time, and finally just really read it, and I was so moved. Because it had not only beautiful language, again, which is different than the factoids in today's books, and it had beautiful art actually made by an artist, but it had a beautiful idea. Mm. It talked about the founding of Boston as a uh, over its time and how um, Mr. Winthrop came and he brought his friends with him and how he met the Indians that had lived there and the natural beauty. But they were building something, and they were building something exciting. And later on, um, you know, the, the the huddling masses yearning to breathe free that we, you know, the, the, the Statue of Liberty, you know, mm-hmm. the on the base they could also come and they could put down roots and they could build families and they could build mills and and they could produce something and this is such a beautiful contrast because as one gentleman told me recently he feels like the children's book sections today is what he calls the victimhood section Mm -hmm. and it's it's what you know supposedly america has done wrong to everyone ever have there been individuals that have made mistakes of Of course. course but 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 what we have here is the opportunity always to do the right thing and to do the good thing if i may open this up just a minute you'll see the vividness of the art here and just the saturation again art by a real artist and lyrical language and a continuous flow from the beginning of the book all the way to the end and most modern books are all partitioned 
And so you mm. w- w- you want to talk be, about that. Yeah. Books are partitioned. What yes. do you mean by that? Th- th- this is when you open this book, you are taken on a journey all the way through to the end of the book. And m- what happens when people experience this is that by the time they're done with it and bring it back to the library, guess what they're doing? They're hugging it to themselves. Mm. They built a relationship with it because we can build a relationship with language and art mm. and with ideas, but we can't with factoids. I'll set this one down and I will pick up this other one just for a moment. And hopefully I can do this She's without picking up the forest. Yeah. Book. If you're listening to this on yes. podcast. I'm going to try to not be too uh, jarring here, but this would be the more modern book. You see, we're not seeing a forest. We're seeing the tip of a single branch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's as if the whole forest were put into a gigantic garbage disposal and put in, and a lot of shards were created. And we pull out one shard at a time and think we're going to interest our children mm-hmm. now mo- and teens. Most kids come in the library and the first time they say is, do you have any of those books that are hardly any words and are all <laughs> ginormous <laughs> photographs? Yeah. And you know what they're saying? They're already equating words with pain. Yeah. We have lost something desperate when our kids equate words with pain because it is through language that we convey the deepest ideas. But here you're seeing a single seed pod. Here you're seeing a single root as if a forest were nothing more than a lot of separate roots and branches. It's like you're looking at things through a microscope. I Mm -hmm. I often think the idea that if you're you're lost in the forest, if you focus on the weeds, you'll never get out, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you got to look up and have a bigger perspective. And what you're saying here, I think, Michelle, is that these books... The difference between what's being produced today mm-hmm. versus what was produced years ago mm-hmm. is this idea of there is a bigger perspective. Yes. It's, it's more than just me. Yes. Uh, we're a part yes. of something greater yes. than ourselves. Yes. And, and a lot of the content that exists today is not producing that kind of result. It's in actually fighting against hearts. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking that we'll gain something, but we don't gain something. Yeah. Uh, we gain something when we connect with real reality, with real truth. You so know? you've gone on a journey of collecting a lot of these books, and mm-hmm. you now have what? Altogether, I have about. 60,000 of yeah. them in two different libraries, one in Michigan, one in Florida, and we're ready to more, open more branches here in Florida. That's so this is, what's, this is what's amazing two. to me. You've literally said, here's a problem that I'm seeing, and the problem is the lack of learning mm-hmm. and, and really purpose-finding mm-hmm. from children along the way. And so you've gone on the journey of actually um, uh, you know, finding these books and, and then continuing to grow your collection yeah. over the yeah. years, right? Mm-hmm. And, and provide so. them to people mm-hmm. by creating a library, mm-hmm. which is Living Learning Library, by the way, if you heard mm-hmm. the title, that's what that is. Uh, and, and, and then help others, by the way, that maybe mm-hmm. are not in yeah. this area yes. or in the areas that you have access to mm-hmm. be able to find their journey. So let's talk just, so I want to kind of land the plane with, with two areas. One, if you're local in Southern Florida or Michigan area, mm-hmm. you can access the libraries. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that. And then two is for those that are like, wow, this is intriguing. I've never heard of this before. This is new. I get what you're saying. Cause I see mm. the just staleness in my kids. And I want that change, mm-hmm. the alive, mm-hmm. to happen in them, and you know, the, the switch to flip on. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about what that looks like. The two ways you got the you got the livingbookslady.com. Mm-hmm. What is that? That is a, a site where people can access the database that I've created of these books, so they can begin to discover living books on all these topics. So they can go find mm-hmm. these books on different topics that are alive, that are written years ago, and then they can go purchase them. Yeah, yeah. The database okay. helps them find out what the good books are, and okay. then they can begin scouring for yeah. them. It's kind of like, hey, listen, you may not know I'm in the financial business to be like scouring stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. These are good stocks yeah. to buy. Yeah. These are bad ones to buy. And how do you find them? Right. They're, they're okay. Exactly just to kind of right. Bring it and again, remember, living is not just that the words are living and the art is living. It's that it becomes to live inside of yeah. the learner's heart forever. 
Okay. It never goes away because mm. truth never goes away. Character goes never goes away. Inspiration never goes away. So that that's what means. So living. somebody somebody that's not in the Palm Beach Gardens mm-hmm. area or South Florida area that doesn't have access to the library or Michigan, which is what what's the area? In Traverse Michigan? City, Michigan, and that's called Children's Preservation Library. Okay, so Traverse City or or Palm Beach Gardens area in mm-hmm. Florida, you want to go to livingsbookslady.com. Mm-hmm. If you're like, you know what, I, I want to take a stance for my kids and mm-hmm. I want to help them find quality information. I want to help them find quality content that brings them alive as they read it, right? You're going to go yeah. to livingbookslady.com, mm-hmm. and exactly she's got right. a tremendous resource mm-hmm. of topics and books that you can go purchase. And quite honestly, you may even want to start your own library. And There's we help resources. people do that, and yeah. that's part of that website as well. There I you consult go. people and, and et cetera. I'm working with people around the country and even overseas are trying to do that right now. But they are very, very few and far between. But it is an extremely meaningful calling. As, as one of the gentlemen that you talked to earlier said, you can start with a shelf in your living room right now and start lending it to your friends. Yeah. So... Kiara, let me ask you this question. If you were going to connect with, what do you like to do, by the way? What's one of the things that you really love? I like reading and I guess you could say riding my bike. Wow. That's pretty cool. And when you read a book, what type of books do you like to read? Well, I usually get sign language dictionary books. Really? Because I like learning new things. And why do you think you enjoy learning new things like that? Well, I want to try to teach them to others when I grow up. Mm-hmm. And they feel fun when I'm bored. I just teach, practice them to myself. Yeah. So you want to teach others when you grow up? Yeah. That's pretty pretty exciting. When have you started, uh, what caused you to think about that? You know, just kind of reading and seeing other people that need help? Or or was there something that caused you to say, I want to help other people that way? Well, the thing that made me want to do that was reading books about people doing those things. Like Hmm. people who were deaf and blind at the same time. Or people that were teachers or doctors. Mm -hmm. That's what wanted me to make, to do that stuff. Yeah, so as you were reading books of stories about other people that were helping others, that that caused you to want to help others yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Is there anything, if, if there was other uh, little girls out there that were 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, and they've never been to Miss Michelle's Living Learning Library, or they wanted to uh, know about it more, what would be one fun thing or one really neat thing that you would want to sh- tell them? Well, about the books. Yeah, there was this one girl who she also likes doing sign language and she's also my friend. And so sometimes when I see her, uh, we like showing new things in sign language that we learned from the books we get. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes she shows me things she learned that I've never saw before. And I show her things I've learned that she never saw before. Wow. So you're kind of encouraging and teaching one another, right? Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit of your perspective from the Living Learning Library. So we're here with Candice Leon, and you've had a very interesting experience as well with the Living and Learning Library. You've connected with Michelle now for how long? Um, about three years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you were telling me, Candice, off air, you have four kids. I'm yes. going to look to make sure I don't get it wrong. 16, 14, 12, and 9, right? Yes. And you were talking a little bit about some of your kind of teenagers and what you've experienced with the public library versus the living learning library. Because a lot of people out there might say, hey, it's a library. 
I mean, there's lots of libraries. Why, why care about the living learning? What's the difference? Mm -hmm. What's been your experience? Well, I, I first realized I had some problems with some things in the, in the public library. Um, when my kids were a lot younger, I juggled all the things that moms do of like trying to keep them from not pulling all the DVDs off the shelf to <laughs> all the different stages that we've gone through of newborns and all the different things, putting things on hold, like always working around some way to get books in my home for my children. Hmm. Um, and why was that important to you, by the way? Uh, because I grew up appreciating books. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of the things that I loved about homeschooling that I could st instill a love of reading into my children. They transport you to different parts of the world and different experiences and hearing stories from different voices are very important for me. Mm. Um, I remember early on, I think my son was only like three and he wanted a book on the planets. And so he went to the public librarian and said, I need a book. I want a book about the planets. And they said, well, here we have a book about Jupiter and here we have a book about Mars. And he said, but I want this book. He found one in the reference section that had all of them together. He was like, I need them all together. I want to see them all together. Hmm. And they were like, well, we can't give you that book. Usually in school, you only have a project about one planet. So that's why all the books are individual. Wow. So since then, we've seen that book now on the regular shelves. <laughs> but we bought it ourselves. And I started just you know, having issues with my kids having questions and wanting certain things and the public library not being able to deliver that. Mm. So anyway, as they're growing and we're dealing with it and we're managing, I kept seeing the teen section and knowing that was coming for right. them. And here's what's next. Right? Here's what's next. Right. And yeah. it's this room over there that now we give them a special section. It says teenager. And the books in there are not of genres that I want my kids to dwell on, really. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I had this internal struggle of how am I going to navigate this? Because I've created these kids that love to read and mm -hmm. they're going to absorb whatever you give them. And I remember getting a text from someone about the Living Library opening. And I didn't really have a definition for myself of what living books were. I had heard the term. I knew a little bit about um, the philosophy from which it comes from. But I walked into that library um, meeting Michelle um, and have learned so much from her and just had such a freedom to be able to release my children in there mm. to come up with whatever they wanted to. And it's just opened a entirely different world of learning for them having a safe space for your kids to go in and kind of uh find information that you know that they're reading and it's going to help build them and not tear them down or isolate them or whatever it's so interesting you talked about the idea of um some of the books and the genres in the in the public library right and i think a lot of times people are in a place where they say well my kid's reading that's like a positive check i don't mm -hmm. care what they're reading as long as they're reading mm -hmm. but I think it's more important to really make sure we step back and say, what are they reading? What are they internalizing? And uh, really think through the process of the reality that what they're reading actually starts to shape the way they think. Right. Right. I mean, I often called myself a book Nazi as my yeah. kids were growing up. <laughs> and I, I don't want to, you know, negate the fact that kids, some kids struggle with reading. I've yeah. had kids in my home that struggle with reading or who maybe didn't naturally gravitate to wanting to read about the planets or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I've given in to, okay, the reader on Spider-Man or whatever, because yeah. it, it created an interest for yeah. those children. Right. So I'm not saying like, don't use the public library. We've used it for years. We still use it. My kids love to get um, Lego books and drawing books. Like there's certain activity books that they like from there. But if they want to read a book that's really going to teach them something, or learn about a character or a time period or, you know, a biography, whatever, they tend to want those books from the living library. 
So here's what I, I want to end this with, and, and I appreciate you taking a few minutes and sharing your story and your thoughts. But Candace, mm-hmm. if you had to say, because the listener out there, when you talk about living books, they're like, what is this, like interactive? Is mm-hmm. it like you press a button and it plays a video? Is it, you know, is it walking down the street? I mean, in your perspective, what is a living book? Well, Michelle is probably the best person to define this yeah. for everyone. Like she will literally open a, a um, you know, a modern book safe and show you the little tidbits of of information that's given to you as opposed to a book that gives you like a complete narrative of yeah. a topic. And, um, you know, I've seen my older ones come in and see picture books that my little ones had or my parents come in and see picture books that my little ones had on a certain topic that maybe they even knew about from life itself and just be like, wow, I've never read a full narrative of that mm. or experienced it in that way. Um, so, you know, if you, if you are able to, there's a lot of those books sold on, on, um, eBay, but one of the things that I love about Michelle, if you walk in and you have an idea for a book that she does not have, she will go out and buy it. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, you don't have to find it. If you don't have it, like it's okay. But she loves learning and wants to help, um, families succeed in that. There's a real joy from that, uh, that I'm hearing from you of learning instead of just internalizing information. Absolutely. Right. Understanding the journey, the process, and having the full picture. And even the full, <clears throat> excuse me, even the full picture of life. Like we're not yeah. in a vacuum right now. We're a part of a larger narrative in time. And I think seeing that helps you appreciate others and helps you experience and appreciate learning. Love that. Candace, thanks so much for taking a few moments. Sure. Thanks. All right. So the next thing, Living Learning Library. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're a 501c3 nonprofit here in Florida. We now have two branches, but we're already building a collection. We're ready to have more branches mm-hmm. because uh, as I mentioned when, about the book in Boston, it grieves me that every single child and teen does not have access to these books. I recently uh, visited my son's college before he graduated and he wanted me to meet his professors because he'd built relationships. I sat down with them, you know, a little nervous. I'm a mm-hmm. mom, you know, mm-hmm. and I I said, Doctor, you know, R, I would like to thank you for investment in my. Se-. She cut me right off. She said, Thank you, but I don't have any time for niceties. I have a question for you, Michelle. I'm, okay, gulp. Uh, she <laughs> said, Within two weeks of your son's arrival on this campus, the entire faculty was slack jawed. In all the years that we have taught college, we've never seen anything like it. His enthusiasm for thinking, for ideas, for language, for truth, for connections, for synthesis is unheralded. So the faculty, when they found out that you were coming, sent me with a question for you How did you educate your son? Mm. And my son reached over right then and patted me on the leg and he said, Mom, this is where you tell him about living books. Yeah. Because this is what he had grown up reading all the way till wow. the day he went to college and that and that really was what language was what learning was for millennia you uh-huh. simply read the best book that had ever been written on every single topic we were meant to dine on language not on images like uh-huh. the culture says today uh-huh. we were meant to dine on languages because that's how we get ideas that's good that's good michelle listen i just want to say thank you for taking a few minutes mm, and sharing you. your story and your journey thank you Absolutely. Hey, listen, as you're listening to this show, two things I want to challenge you to do. One is share it with somebody that needs to hear this, right? The second thing is I want you to think about this thought. Champions are not made on feather beds. We are at a place right now where we've gotten the opportunity to watch what culture, the world, has thrown at us for the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years of what secular education produces. People walking out of school with degrees, pieces of paper, unfulfilled, They're walking around really with a purposeless life in a lot of ways. 
And a lot of that is because at the younger ages, they have not been challenged to go down the journey of exploring really not only who they are, but exploring other thought that helps them to think even further. And so my challenge for you really as you watch this is to think about whether or not, because as you've seen this now and you've listened to this via podcast, you now have a choice where you're either going to get and be a part of the solution or you're just going to stay a part of whatever you're doing now, which is not necessarily changing the culture at large. You may say, well, Mike, I'm satisfied with the way things are, but I think if we're really all honest, we know that there's a problem. And I think the challenge and the problem comes from the lack of purpose and identity through the hearts and individuals throughout. And so one of the things that we need to do is really band together and say it is our responsibility to fight the battles for our children to come and children current. So that way we can change society as a whole from a perspective of just being passive and just being consumers to those that are actually producers and providers. Why is it that years ago, Hundreds of years ago, we had men and women that did miraculous, courageous things because they were encouraged mm-hmm. to think. Can I, there's a great quote. We should get in here somewhere if we can. Tell it to me. Hitler said, he alone who owns the children gains the future. So mm-hmm. that's what's at stake here. We've got okay. to feed our kids the truth. So one of the things that Michelle just shared is uh, Hitler said, he who alone that owns the children owns the future. we got to be in a place where we focus on helping get their minds learning again, right? Make learning great again, or whatever you want to call it. At the end of the day, we got to do that. So livinglearninglibrary.org, go there, get involved. If you're not in a place where you can uh, come to uh, the library, you want to go to livingbookslady.com to help you find the kind of books that you want to get in your home. Be proactive in this process. As always, my challenge to you is to really cause you to think about what kind of purposeful life you're living and really live on purpose so that way you can live with purpose. Share the show, encourage others, and be blessed. We'll talk to you next show.